Hi, and welcome to All This and the Oscars 2, AwardsDaily.com's weekly, or sometimes bi-weekly, or tri-weekly <laughs> podcast <laughs> on the Oscars. Uh, my name is Sasha Stone. I'm the founder and main content provider of AwardsDaily.com. I'm here with our two editors, Clarence Moy and Brian Adams. Hello, guys. Good evening. Hey, hey. First, oh, hey, hey. <laughs> first, we want to apologize for missing last week, and that was my fault because I was using the wrong mic and, and it created its horrible hiss, and I just didn't feel like I could post that. It was, we all will say that it was like the best podcast we ever recorded, though. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, you guys were great. You guys really were great. I didn't say much, except I did say that I thought that books. Smart. I'm not book smart. Oh, sorry. I shouldn't have said that. The bombshell <laughs> would would get yes. a, um, a SAG Ensemble nomination, and yeah. it did. And it that did. was the only thing that I said that was worthwhile in the entire 90 minutes, and so, so I just wanted to repeat it. No, but oh, it's, that's it, so it, not true. It's <laughs> it's not true, but it's also important to remember that because I I was saying that the jazz sort of called that um, the night before, which she did, but Ryan did too, even the night before that which was that Bombshell would get in. I wasn't sure because I felt like I was getting kind of mixed messages about the movie, but boy, did it come screaming back like with, with so many SAG nominations for ensemble, two supporting actress and best actress. So it seems like a very strong contender at the moment. Uh -huh. And, you know, I have not seen it yet. So everything that I said, it was just, I was just only guessing and I was guessing based on what I had heard you say, and you and jazz both say that not only were the, uh, the women great in the movie, but uh, a lot of the supporting roles in that movie are also really good. So, yeah. and so that's one an ensemble. I mean, so that's a uh, good sign. It's a good ensemble. If even the supporting roles in smaller, maybe that don't have a lot of lines that were also good. I'm sending you in your next load bombshells coming. That's okay. Next, that's great. your next big package that you got. You got a bunch of new stuff. So great. I'll, I'll be sending Excellent. them out on Monday. I'm seeing it next week, next Friday when it opens. I guess I'll have to wait to see it with the commoners. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing about it is that I, I actually, kidding. no, I know. Ultimately, at the end of the day, there's no denying that it's really fun to watch, you know, um, very high profile actresses dig into their parts like they do in Bombshell. Like, that's the best thing about it, really, is that the, the tough part of it is sympathizing with Fox News people. You know, mm -hmm. that's that's the that, real challenge. Exactly who I was going to ask you. Do you think that that is going to be its fatal flaw that uh, the, nobody, well, none of the voters are really going to be ready this year to go that way for best 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 actress to to award Megan Kelly? Yeah, I, I think that that's actress. true for the win. But I, I did mm -hmm. think that it would affect it. But then when I saw the SAG nominations, I thought, well, no, not really. Um, right. Yeah. The actors like like the acting, but I don't think that that means. I think my honest opinion is that <laughs> it's still Renee Zellweger's to lose, except for Cynthia Erivo or Lupita Nyong'o could take her down. And I don't think um, Megan Kelly can. Mm -hmm. Charlize as Megan Kelly. Right. I mean, you know, it's it's Harriet Tubman versus Megan Kelly. Exactly. And, so how do you think know. that's going to go? <laughs> and a year like this year, <laughs> you know, I just don't see. But on the other hand, and the reason we can we might be able to explain SAG is, again, what we always say about AFTRA, uh, the SAG and AFTRA people are all across the country. They're not all Hollywood liberals. Right. 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 And so some of them may and it might not bother them at all. They might even like Bombshell more because it's has yeah. a 
um, conservative sympathy. I, I know. And the thing is, is like if you're a SAG member, who are you going to want? Are you going to want to see Nicole Kidman and Margot Robbie and Charlize Theron show up at your show? I think you yeah. are. You know, like who right. wouldn't want that? Um, I was surprised that Nicole Kidman got in because when I first saw it, I didn't think she stood out. But then when I watched it on screener, to me, she was the one who stood out more than the other two, which I thought was odd that it was mm -hmm. a, such a different experience watching it on the smaller screen. But for mm -hmm. whatever reason, I mean, she's Nicole Kidman, but it, it uh, maybe it's because her makeup is so severe that when right. you watch it on the, on the smaller screen, it becomes less severe. And so you're able to sort of see her performance. But, uh -huh. um, but I, I'm a big fan of movies with really juicy best actress performances like that. And you don't see that very often anymore. So yeah. these are really bravura performances by these women. And, and that's what makes it fun to watch. Well, it even made the second trailer fun to watch. You didn't yeah. get much of that in the in the first uh, teaser trailer when it's just in the elevator and all they do is just steal glances mm -hmm. at, at each other. But in the second trailer, Nicole popped in that. She really, yeah. in, in just a, a couple of shot scenes that they showed in the trailer, she really got my attention. So I know what you mean. The first trailer was smart, though, because it got you used to Charlize Theron was going to go completely transformation under, yeah. for Megyn Kelly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like it, that was that was what everybody was going to be talking about because she's unrecognizable in that trailer. And mm -hmm. so it kind of got that all out of the way. So then they could focus on the other, you know, the second trailer could focus on other things other than just the, the Charlize Theron shock factor. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And in fact, even now, when I think back on watching the movie, I can't even think that I'm watching Charlize Theron. Like, I really do feel like it's Megyn Kelly. And any feelings that I have about the movie are because of my watching Megyn Kelly. I don't even think it's Charlize. I really don't. Like, it's that mm. good. There's never <laughs> right. a moment in that movie where I think that's Charlize Theron. Never. Um, Margot Robbie has, a, you know, the thing about her is that she's so beautiful, but she's so talented. She's a really good actress. Um, she might be a little bit better in, I think, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, but I think that she has more to work with in Bombshell because she's given a much kind of juicier part. Mm -hmm. And when, when both of you see it, I'll tell you what my main problem with her character is, but I won't spoil it for you now. But um, but I like I like her in it. And, you know, this is like, there, there's an aspect to Hollywood that, you know, that we like to watch, you know, really big stars dressed up you know, and, and really like, you know, nails and the hair and the dresses and, you know, mm -hmm. the glamour, like there's something to that, that, that we don't really see a lot of anymore, you know? And that's what I really loved about it. I loved watching these diva performances <laughs> with these women. And, you know, maybe it's insulting that they're wearing, you know, dresses and heels and, and long nails and hair, but it sure is fun to watch. It sure is cinematic. You it, know? And it's fun because it's fun to, to be reminded that that's what they do with their women on Fox News. And that's yeah. why the, heart, the sort of severe makeup on Nicole, it really probably Gretchen Carlson did the same thing because the women on Fox News, it's like during the day they wear evening makeup, you know, yeah. on Fox. They, they from what I've seen of it, they, they just overdo the, the women's hair and makeup on Fox News. And so I think it's I think it's um, appropriate and genuine and, yes. and um, authentic. And, and to, she she yeah. really pops on screener Kidman yeah. does because of her performance. I don't know why there's a difference between for me anyway watching it on the big screen and 
and watching it um, on TV was was different because whatever struggles she's going with really read well on the smaller screen. Uh Um, It doesn't make sense, but that's how I saw it. So looking at that category, then, if she pops that much on screener, is Mm -hmm. she in contention for one of the five slots at Oscar? And, you know, does that mean Scarlett Johansson and Jojo Rabbit is is vulnerable or Margot Robbie is vulnerable? uh, Excuse me. Vulnerable. No, I think it's Margot Robbie, um, Charlize. I mean, Margot Robbie, Nicole Kidman, um, Scarlett Johansson. And then that's three for sure. Those are big stars. They're going to want big stars at their show, right? Uh-huh. So, um, and, and then, then who are And Laura Dern. Laura Dern, Dern, Jennifer Dern Lopez. Yeah. The front runner, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I, I would think that if <clears throat> anybody's going to take out Laura Dern, it's going to be one of the bombshell women. Mm-hmm. Um, Nicole Kidman's already won, <clears throat> and, and Margot Robbie is red hot. So she's the one that I would watch out for to win that. Um, she's just red hot. She has that Alicia Vikander thing about her. Where she's like, oh right yeah well and she's in two potential best picture nominees exactly and these these are mostly white <laughs> straight males voting so yeah I'd watch out for that but I do think that Laura Dern will probably pull it out for the win she's uh, so overdue I mean she really is yeah. it's just like who wouldn't want to see her win you know um, who, I did I did catch up with Jojo Rabbit that's the one movie of the of the movies that I needed to you know. Uh, watch see so that everyone has already seen that I feel like I could finally talk about it mm-hmm. and I just want to say Scarlett Johansson is so much better in this in Jojo Rabbit than she is in another movie that we don't no, need to mention I mean I feel I like think, she's I, I agree with you I mean I think she's great in both but I really do think yeah. that her really good performance is Jojo Rabbit yeah yeah I agree I she broke my heart in Jojo Rabbit like that that butterfly scene, <clears throat> I'm not going to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it yet because I know it hasn't been widely seen, but uh, the butter, the blue butterfly scene just completely gobsmacked me in every mm. sense, of, in, in a great sense of the way, but it's just, wow, poignant I and I love wonderful. that, and I, I just loved how funny she was. Like, you don't get to see her be funny, and she was really funny in this, and I was watching a featurette with um, Taika Waititi talking about her, and he was saying how she's actually like that in real real life. Like, she's actually a really goofy, funny person, and he was glad to bring Uh a lot of that out. And um, one of the things I love about the movie is I love the scene between her and Thomason McKenzie talking about what they'll do, you know, if they're ever free. Like, I just think that that scene, Mm -hmm. to me, like, really makes that movie. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's, sorry, go ahead, Ryan. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say one quick thing. I think that's why I did not like her in Marriage Story as much the first time I saw it, because I saw these two things at a film festival back to back. And in, you know, comparing the two performances, she feels forced in in Marriage Story comparatively. But, you know, she is alive in Jojo Rabbit. I've never, sometimes when I watch her, I feel she's a little overstudied. Um, but here she's just, you know, it just feels so natural. It's the, it's the, one of the only times I've ever seen her where she is just a total open, natural person. And it doesn't feel like I'm giving a performance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So many movies she's in, she's almost on a pedestal, but I agree with you and Jojo Rabbit. She has like almost a screwball comedy kind of quality to her that is so, um, natural and, She's enjoying it so much. You can just see she's really getting a kick out of it. And that comes across so well on screen. 
uh, it surprised me time after time. Things she would do, gestures and looks and body language and everything is just really interesting performance. I like it so much. <laughs> I, know, I love the scene where she slaps with her. Oh, gloves. I know. That's exactly what I was thinking with it with her <laughs> gloves. I think right. Doesn't she just like just all of a sudden just out of the blue stick. just like because you you've scarred my child's face, right? <laughs> I know. Slap. It's <laughs> <really> <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> Took me by surprise so much, and um, I, that's you know so that's what comedy drama that takes a sharp dramatic turn is so good at they loosen you up and you get your you let your guard down because you're laughing and you think it's going to be kind of a silly kind of movie and then those are the only movies that really can make me emotional when they take a, a quick sharp turn into 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 tragedy and drama after they've tricked me into laughing you yeah. know if also, i don't if i'm not if i, don't, if I can't laugh if i can't laugh first in a movie then i'm not going to cry that's just me yeah, no, what did that's you think of what, Jojo Rabbit, Ryan, all the way, all, all in all? Oh, I, yeah, all in all, it's absolutely everything that you led me to expect. I'm not the least bit disappointed or surprised in any way. It's everything I hoped it would be and more. I'm also not exactly totally surprised that it maybe is not getting the attention that it does, it ought to be getting among the critics group so far because it is. Um, you've got to be in the right state of mind for it, I think. And I was, really was in the right state of mind. And I remember something that you or Jess said in a podcast we had like months ago is that it's like watching Monty Python. Mm. And you don't expect to be watching a World War II movie that has that sort of attitude. Mm. But if you get into that groove with it and ride with it, it's really enjoyable. I loved it. Yeah, it's on right now. In fact, it's on kind of repeat on my television right now with the sound down, and I'm watching. It's been this is like the third time this today. It's been playing over and over <laughs> and over. So it's like playing in the background, and that just reminds me, I, production design is impeccable. Yeah, and production oh, yeah. design is so 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 good. I love the. I just love the message of that movie. Like it's it seems stupid. To, you know, I, I don't understand why people are really really having a hard time with. The satire, like I, I'm, I'm such a major, major world, world war, well, well, I'm such a major <laughs> World War II fanatic. I know so much. I'm completely obsessed with Hitler and the Holocaust and everything, and and so I know a lot about it. And that's what's so funny to me is the the little jokes that he throws in, you know, about appeasement, and how he turns into like scary Hitler. And he says in this featurette that. He couldn't do or say anything that like the, a ten-year-old boy wouldn't know, because he's mm-hmm. he's a figment right. of the kid's imag- imagination, and it's mm-hmm. it's a vivid imagination. But this little kid needs this. I mean, it's just so great because he starts out the movie. He's you know he's he showed himself to be a coward to them by not killing the rabbit and then getting really badly injured and disfigured. Mm-hmm. But then, so he needs Hitler to make him feel like a man. It's just such a profound message for right now, you know, yeah, and that's why really I don't is. understand like people are resisting it. It's, it's something we really need to hear, all of us. I just worry that, that, that I don't know what it is, but it's like satire has kind of died. It is, <laughs> that's you, the, true. Satire it was. I mean, I think back in the sixties, seventies, and eighties, people understood satire better. But mm-hmm. I think now everyone is just so damn literal. Yeah. About and so serious, and, you, and anything that you say, you you can't you can't joke about things, right. even in just casually on Twitter. You found that out yesterday, Sasha, <laughs> and, and and you just can't make even the slightest little offhand remark because you're going to risk somebody's going to be taking it too seriously. Right. 
It's true. It's true. But I feel like I kind of feel like I need to push back on that a little bit. Not that it matters in a consensus vote. I can see why he's not getting the uh, the attention that I think that the movie deserves. But um, but at the same time, honestly, very few things have given me relief in this horrible era we're living through. And, and this movie did. It was one of the few movies that did. It was one of the few movies that made me feel kind of powerful mm-hmm. against something that was made me feel powerless. And he does he does that by making you laugh at something that is monstrous. And he mm-hmm. does that by showing you that yes, you you still have control, you still have power, you still have freedom. But he also manages to tell this beautiful story where this kid falls in love with this girl and so much in love that he doesn't even want to tell her the war has ended because that means he has to lose her. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, that to me is the most beautiful part of the whole story is how he replaces, and that's what Waititi says, Taika Waititi, the message he wanted to get across with this movie, which was that he wants to leave a little bit of love in the world. You know, and, and I think mm-hmm. he gets that across in a way that no other movie does. That's why I always thought it was a threat to win Jojo Rabbit, you know. And now without the Globe nomination for director or screenplay, which is odd, but whatever, um, it, it lessens its chances. And so now it doesn't seem like it's going to be your winner, which makes me think that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has this thing in the bag. Right. What do you guys think? Well, I think it would be a shame if JoJo does not get nomin- at least nominated and doesn't doesn't get some attention at the Oscars. And I, I we'll get to this later. We've already talked about that. Later on, we're going to talk about what might be the surprise nominee that comes up. That it could be the eighth or ninth nominee that nobody is expecting. Mm-hmm. And so, if we are kind of at this point, sort of surrendering and giving up the idea that maybe Jojo could be nominated, maybe could make a resurgence and surprise us. And it could be, it could make it in after all at the very end, because I can't think of many other movies that I agree with you, Sasha, that have, that I've enjoyed so much that I, and I didn't really think I was going to, when I first started, I thought it was going to be a little bit too broad for me, mm-hmm. but it has such a great mixture of, of, of uh, comedy and pathos. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I think it's definitely in for picture. No, I, I take a what he is, is very vulnerable for director, but uh, I think it's still in for picture. I think the, the ultimate winner is down between um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Parasite. I think that that's yeah. it's one of those two. Um, so it's yeah. sort of, you know, at this point, I don't I mean, I, I won't. I guess I don't really care who wins because I love both of those films. So if it's one of those, I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> so, I hear you on that. I mean, I'm, both of them are good, and I go back and forth. I love both of them. And every time I watch each of them, I think, wow, that is a great movie. <laughs> both of them. Um, I think the, the only difference I would say is that I do believe that if you have a foreign language or international um, film category, mm-hmm. that voters will feel comfortable giving the film that big prize and then also giving... I don't know because, you know, when people are predicting the Oscars, they don't factor in the preferential ballot ever. And so, because that's not how we've all been conditioned to think about the Oscars. We think about it as mm. majority vote, but it doesn't work that way. Um, so it is going to be a long, we have to watch who's winning Best Director. So who won Best Director at Cannes? Was it uh, Bong Joon-ho? Did he win there? And who won it at Venice? Like, we, 
that's what you want to look for. Is who did Todd Phillips win it? I know he won the Golden mm. Lion, but yeah. <laughs> we don't know, but you want to watch who's winning Best Director, and then so and then you know if it's going to be a picture director split, and if it's going to be a pi- picture director split, then picture can be anyone's game, but most likely tied to screenplay. Um, mm-hmm. And the reason that screenplay, sorry, to be a stats machine, but the reason that screenplay is so tied with Best Picture is because a lot of times lately the writer and the director um, are the same person, so they can give a. Uh, an Oscar to Green Book screenwriters and picture and give director to someone else and they're still giving, they're splitting the award because so many writer-directors now are headed for best picture. That that didn't used to be the case. In fact, if anything, it used to be adapted screenplay would win and then picture. But, um, but so this year we have Bong Joon-ho for screenplay, Bong Joon-ho for director, Bong Joon-ho for international film. Um, and... And then we have Quentin Tarantino for director, Quentin Tarantino for writer, Quentin Tarantino for film. So either of those could could win either screenplay and picture or director or split them or win all of them, you know? Um, I think that the one thing people forget when they're predicting best picture almost always is to remember the actors. Best picture is decided by actors. And yes, they picked Parasite for ensemble, which was brilliant. And thank God they did. That is an incredibly acted ensemble. There's not a weak performance in it. It totally deserved it. But it's a different thing when it gets to the Oscars, that's all. Um, it's usually star-driven. It's usually... And, and the thing about Parasite is it already has a category it's going to win in. So that's why I think... I don't know that people are going to go with nine nominees or eight or however many they have... They're going to go, yeah, we want Parasite here, but we also want Parasite here and forget all these other movies. I just don't think they're going to do that. They never have. Right. Not even the critics have done that with their yeah. awards. Like, right. you know, Parasite hasn't won foreign film and picture in very many races. I mean, right. it has in some, but it hasn't it. been across the yeah, board. Yeah, they usually split it. They give foreign language to something else and they give Parasite Best Picture. Um, that's because with so many films in the race, voters like to spread the wealth. They always have, but when you have five best pictures instead of nine, it's it's you know more likely that one movie's going to win a lot of Oscars. With nine, as you saw last year, where the favorite picked up best actress when it had, what, like 13 nominations or something? I don't know how many the favorite had, but it had a lot of nominations. It didn't win any except actress. Mm-hmm. But they like to spread the wealth with the expanded ballot. That's just how it works. You can you can document it. You can look at the chart. The very few films go home empty-handed. Some do. Hustler, um, American Hustle went home with none. But um, but it's rare. If they can give you an Oscar, they will. And so in general, the Best Picture winner wins like three, maybe four Oscars. But it's not like the old days where they would win six, seven, eight, nine, ten Oscars. You know, you just right. don't have those kind of yeah. sweeps anymore because there are so many Best Picture contenders. And, and the reason those movies are there is because 200 to 300 Academy members voted it at number one. So mm. they're going to want to pick that movie to win something. So if they can divide it up, if they can give Parasite International, why would they then give it Best Picture? They wouldn't. They'd give it to some other movie because they want to divide it up. I think right now that movie is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but we still need more more time to figure that out. We need to see the Directors Guild. We need to see the Producers Guild. You know, it's, st- it's still a little bit too early to call, but my thinking is 
Tarantino has put in um, an incredible career, and he's only one screenplay, and it's time to give him the top awards. I really do feel like that's what's, what's going to happen. Plus, it's a great movie. Yep. Am I sounding too drunk? No, not at all. Not at all. The Are reason I'm sure? quiet is because I was looking up some. Um, I was. I was just curious. When is the last time that a Best Picture winner won? Uh, had a semi sweep. Hurt Locker won six Oscars mm-hmm. in 2009. Slumdog Millionaire looks like won eight in 2008. But since then, there has not been any any Best Picture winner that I can see that 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 won more than four. Four. No, in fact, you're yeah. you're. Best Picture winners only win like three. Yeah, right. They usually win three, and they usually win picture, screenplay, and then one other Oscar, sometimes director, but very rarely both. The only movie that's won, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, but I think in the preferential ballot era, the only movie that's won both or all three would be Birdman, picture, screenplay, and director. I think that's the only Uh one that's won three. I think you're right. And then then Spotlight just won two, one um, Best Picture and one other, right? Yeah, and Argo, I think only yeah. won three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moonlight only won three. Picture, screenplay, and supporting actor. So that's. And so you're really, it's really true what you have said about not. It's not just a preferential ballot, but it's the fact that we have um, uh, eight or nine nominees, and everyone has their favorite among those eight or nine, mm-hmm. and they're going to make sure that they vote. That they give some each one of those movies a couple of one yeah. or two Oscars, right? They they're going to try to do that, and they always yeah. have throughout their history. If you yeah. look at the oil, and so when you do yeah. when you do that, there just aren't enough left over to give the Best Picture winner any more than because they're they're all yeah, gone exactly. already. And it's they, very rare nowadays to have a movie that everybody's been waiting for it, but we haven't ever had a movie where they won all the texts and then they also won screenplay and picture. Like the closest would be the Hurt Locker, but. Um, it just hasn't happened that, for whatever reason, like Revenant, every movie that people think is going to sweep La La Land, it doesn't end up winning Best Picture. Gravity. Yeah, Gravity. Gravity won uh, seven Oscars, but it but missed mm-hmm. out on Best Picture. Yeah. Or, so, or it's like uh, what Cabaret did back in 1972, won eight Oscars, yeah. but missed out on Best Picture. And that's because the preferential ballot is, is decided on differently than, than all the other ones. The other ones are just majority rules. Preferential ballot mm-hmm. is... If there's a recount, then you have to think about what's the number two, what's the number three, and that becomes really tricky. Like the more sort of daring a film, Jojo Rabbit, for instance, the more divisive it's going to be, the more it's going to be like a top of the ballot or bottom of the ballot, right? The more mm-hmm. sort of well-liked a movie is, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a good example, nobody hates it, the more likely it is to be a one, a two, or a three. Speaking of nobody hates it, did you see that thing that uh, Owen Gleiberman posted in his end of year list where he put the last 30 minutes of Once Upon a Time as one of the worst films of the year? Come uh, on. He did not. Something to do. He's such an idiot. He did. I'm sorry. I like you, Owen. Uh, and thank you. But no, that's, that's really dumb. He's had some really good takes this year. I Not only is it, is it kind of dumb, but it's sort of like a, such a mean catty thing to do. You're right. I mean, it's just such a why even do that? I mean, I don't like I don't like lists anyway or groups that yeah. name like or try, attempt to name the worst movie of the year. Right. It's like, dude, you have not even seen the worst movies of the year. No. And, yeah. and in fact, he, I mean, 
I no offense, Clarence. I know you love Marriage Story, but he loves Marriage Story, Owen Gliver, man. So it's <laughs> like, okay. give me a break. But um, I've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood so many times, and the best part is the last part. <laughs> I promise you. It's really good all the way through, but that last minutes, I mean, that is just the, the, the death scene with Brad Pitt on acid. Like, that's just brilliant. The whole last part, like, that is just to me, magnificent cinema. And the only reason it isn't appreciated as such is that we're all too close to it. But in time, people will remember that and appreciate it as like the, one of the greatest films ever made. I promise you, it's Tarantino's best movie, without a doubt, um, in my opinion. <laughs> but um, but I, I like a lot of movies this year. I really like 1917. I wish it was doing better. You know, I'm really sad that it isn't. And I saw Paul Schrader on Facebook say he didn't think it was very good. Uh, so. That's so strange. Well, it's just, I like years like this when we, ha- when we have so many movies that we like. And even though we might have one particular favorite, if, the, if, if that fails to be Best Picture, our second favorite or third favorite will be equally satisfied to see them win. So it's yeah. not going to be a, a nerve wracking, depressing, demoralizing year because no matter really, it's like whatever wins mm-hmm. as long as it's in the, you know, among our, our, I, that's our four why or I five got, pet favorites. Seriously. That's why I got so mad about this woman director argument is because I feel like, you know, we haven't had a year like this in a really long time mm. where the movies are all really, really good and they're exceptional. And I feel like it's, it's punishing to the people who've made the great movies to then say, you don't deserve your place because you're not a woman. Um, it just, really bothers me as someone who does this day in and day out where, you know, we have some years where it's like all the movies are really shitty. Like <laughs> the Oscars right. and slim pickings. But <laughs> this year, every movie, like Parasite is incredible. 1917 is great. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is magnificent. The Irishman, like these are great movies. And even when you go down to the second tier, you get Ford mm-hmm. v. Ferrari. You know, you get the two popes. Like, these are incredible movies. Top of the list. Like, great. Any one of them could win Best Picture. And I'm so excited to have this year. And it makes me sad that, like, I'm sorry that women didn't bring it. But they didn't. Not this year, you know? Um, I mean, some, they made some great movies. But their movies, as I said to you in an email earlier today, I like a lot of the movies that women directed this year. But I don't know that any of them are top ten for me. But they're definitely top twenty. Yeah, for they're, sure. They're in the, but then that's great. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's an amazing accomplishment. And Absolutely. be proud and happy with that. But don't be just mad because the guys just happen to be who they. It's not just that they did such great movies, but it's just who they are. We've got Scorsese and Tarantino and Malick and I mean and and you know I mean you just don't. It's just hard to do better than those guys. Okay, so let's just get real. Like, I think Queen and Slim is great, and I don't think it's great because it's a perfect movie, but I think it's great because I think it's daring and honest and and unique, and that's what I like about it. So to me, um, both Queen and Slim and Honey Boy, I think, and Blinded by the Light, those are the three movies I really like by women, but none of them have a chance of a Best Picture nomination. I don't think Little Women is very good. Um, I don't think Hustlers is very good at all. I like the concept, and it made $100 million, so if you want to put it in for that reason, that's okay. Plenty of movies have made it in because they made $100 million, right? So Mm. that's all right with me if it gets in. I'm not going to get mad. 
Um, but I don't think it's very good, and I don't think it's worthy of a Best Picture uh, nomination. But, um, but I think women should be really happy and excited that there were so many women in the race, and that the idea is to keep them in the race and to keep them in, you know, keep them making movies and to not let them like aim high, fail, and then go away and never come back, but just to keep making movies, fail, succeed, whatever it is, but you're still in it, and you're still trying, and you're trying to... The high bar is Parasite, right? That's your high bar. If you can get there or anywhere close to there, you've made a really good movie. That's To me, that's like the height you should aim to, right there, Parasite, or mm-hmm. Irishman, you know, or 1917, or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, if you get up there to these movies, then you're doing exceptional work, you know? But don't play it safe. Take risks. Aim high, like these guys are doing. These directors, all of them, have failed in their careers. They've made bombs. They've done terrible... They've made terrible movies. But they've come back, and they've tried, and they've tried to make good movies, and that's what women have to do. They and this year in particular, they just all happen back. to be at the top of their game. They're, those the guys that are that are the legends of American cinema, right? They're the greatest American, some of the greatest American living directors, living are are, are at top of their game this year. That's and right. that and means that even mean. a lot of a lot of male directors who are fantastic are not going to make it into Best Picture, just because it says not because of, for any other reason than than other guys were better. Exactly, like Ford v. Ferrari. Mm. It's a great movie, yeah. and it should be in Best Picture, but why isn't it? Because it's not, you know, it's not going to get in, because it's not a top five, for whatever reason it should yeah. be. I think it's a great movie, but, you know, like I was saying in my article, it's like, even once you get past the first five, then you've got five more <laughs> really great films by men. Pedro Almodovar, like, that movie is mm-hmm. incredible. That movie's a masterpiece. If you can aim and you can make pain and glory, you've made the movie of your career, right? And that mm-hmm. movie's not even going to get in for Best Picture, and it deserves to. It's like one of the best movies without a doubt of the year. If you can make a movie like that, you're a great filmmaker, and it should be in Best Picture. It's, you know, anyway, sorry. God, have an no, I- Russian. <laughs> I should shut up. I'm sorry. No, you're, I mean, I love it, but you're so right. I mean, uh, um, there's just no doubt about it. I mean, I hate to, we have to argue it because when we do, it just sort of sustains the antagonism that stirs up when we disappoint people because they think we ought to be taking a different attitude about it. But we have to be honest, right? I, I, I tell you, Pedro Almodovar, Pain and Glory is one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen in my life. And I will say, as far, before we leave the topic um, about um, women directors altogether, and we're still talking about movies that are because, like Pain and Glory that are excluded because of the way the system is set up, it's a, a really a shame that, that France did not decide to even submit Portrait of a Lady on Fire as their yeah. um, Oscar submission this year. Because they're going to be, there will be movies nominated for Best Picture this year that are not as good as Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yeah. Well, what about Les Mis? Have you seen it, Les Miserables? No, I, no, I have not seen yeah, it. No, so I don't, I don't know why they chose it over... I, I have no idea why. what goes into their thinking. I mean, even people who live in France who are readers on the site cannot believe that Portrait of a Lady on Fire was not the movie that they chose, that they decided. Les Mis must be great in its own way, but I don't see how it can even approach what... what yeah. uh, I um, wonder. Celine Shyama did. 
Yeah, that's a and shame because then you have this movie by a w- woman, you know, yeah. director that mm-hmm. is that is really really good. That it really ought to be up there and really ought to be in the conversation, but instead it's not in even remotely near the conversation. It's right. it's cut out altogether. Which is weird, a, and, and, and it unfortunately, is weird, the yeah. way that Oscar season works, which is we just, and a lot of it is publicity driven. But but you know, we in the in the field of uh, giving out awards and building hype, we kind of fall into the same trap of of sort of you know just just kind of repeating the status quo. Um, and and part of, and also because part of what we do is not just we're a lot of people come to the site because they they want help in and guidance in, in their predictions. And we can't honestly predict movies that have no chance. We can't, yeah, we can't talk, we can't true. play up movies that we know deep down in our hearts really uh, for one reason or another are just not going to be in it. They're just not going to come close. And so it would be um, misleading for us to, to play up movies too much that are not going to be, make it all the way to the Oscars because that's not what the site is about. Right. I mean, you know, it would be great if it was, but I think Portrait of a Lady on Fire has gotten a lot of critical acclaim. I mean, it has oh, yeah, won a sure. lot of mm-hmm. critics' awards for cinematography, mm-hmm. for instance, um, which yep. is kind of weird. Like, you know, when you give an award for a movie for cinematography, it's usually like a, sort of an insult. It's like, mm-hmm. best cinematography. But, you know, all the same, like, I think that it's got... Um, so what can it do? It can't go all the way to the Oscars. And then what's left no. for it? You know, if it do, uh, Clarence, do you know if it was nominated at Golden, Glo- Golden Globes for Best Film? Yes, it was. Things? I know it was. was it? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but Right. But they don't have to deal with the submission process. They just get to pick whatever they want. Right. That's right, yeah. But see, they, just, don't get, they don't get enough credit, the Globes. I mean, I feel like people are, are unfairly accusing them. Like, they did pick that movie, and they did pick... Um, you know, several films directed by women at the Academy didn't. And uh, and I don't think it's fair to charge them necessarily with sexism this year, only because the movies are so good. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to justify putting a movie directed by any woman, quote-unquote, TM, <laughs> as my daughter would mm-hmm. say, um, mm-hmm. you know, to replace any of the movies that are nominated. Like, even Joker, you know, as, as disturbing as it is, you can't deny the power of that movie, right? Like it's it's uh, it's disturbing. It's a bummer in a lot of ways, but there's something about it that's compelling and that's important. And I feel like that makes it worthy of a nomination, even though it's not like my favorite movie. But I feel like it it does have something that keeps me thinking about it, and is compelling and perhaps powerful as art. Plus, it made a billion dollars. <laughs> Uh, which i still can't i can't i still can't really wrap my head around that because i like we have talked about in a past podcast to me what that means is that it doesn't just mean that they it means a lot of people went to see it more than once and i can't i don't i mean i i don't mind i'm glad i saw it once but i don't i don't can't imagine that i want to see it again very soon i will never see you know so i no, and so I can't. I can't. I don't know what kind of person wants to go back and see Joker three or four times and bring their friends and say, "You got to see this movie," and I want to see it for a fifth time. Why well, do I worry about that kind of person? And I don't know what. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't watch it again. It's the only movie that, that that I've seen this year that I haven't watched a second time. But mm. I can't go down that road again. You know, to watch that ending. Right. No yeah. way. 
I mean, it's, it's you know, whatever it is, I, I will admit that I think it's a powerful piece of art. I do. Like, I can't deny that. But so is Uncut Gems, and I'll never watch that movie again. <laughs> That's for <pretty laughs> sure. Did you see Uncut Gems, Clarence? Not yet. Okay. No. I, well, I told you I'm not going to see I, I probably won't see it because I don't like Adam Sandler. So No, you've got to watch it. you got to. you got to. Uh, you have to watch it. And then so we can discuss it. You both have I, to watch it. A lot of movies, when you see the first time, you you know that you're missing a lot and you can't wait. Sometimes there's some movies I like so much after the first viewing, I just want to watch it immediately yeah. right o- again, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. in a row, you know. But I kind of felt like with Joker, and I could be wrong if I ever do get around to watching it a second time, but I kind of felt like I got it all the first time. Yeah, yeah. same. It you know? definitely same. lays its yeah. out there. I'll yeah. see Uncut Gems when you see Lighthouse. No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I can't watch the masturbating and the fish farts. <laughs> Don't make me watch Lighthouse. Oh, I can't do cool. it. I can't do it, man. I can't. There's only so much I can do. But uh, <laughs> that's terrible. But um, I'll tell you the movies I've watched the most so far, right? So Irishman is probably number one with six. And that's only because it's on Netflix. And, and as Ryan knows, I like background movies, you know, movies you can just kind of play while you're doing other things that are sort of slow burn. Psycho is the perfect. And The Birds, these No Country for Old Men. Anything that doesn't have, like, a, you know, a heavy score, those are great background movies. Um, so... Irishman is a great background movie. It really, really is. And so I've watched it like six times. That's the problem with with when it comes to women directors, right? Like, you don't want to get to that point where you say, well, you know what? Men are just better at directing. And Mm. I I do have to admit that sometimes I wonder, like, is it because men are more visual, visually inclined, and women are more, um, women, you know, are deeper, and, and we think in layers and we think, you know, we're not just visual creatures, whereas men are because men are the hunters and the hunter gatherers. And so they have to be visual to be good hunters. And that makes them good filmmakers because they see life in visual terms. The male gaze is a function of that, right? Because men are always looking and they're responding to what they see. Mm-hmm. Um, women too, right? But in, yeah, well, when we're speaking in broad generalities, obviously there are I, some yes. women who are really very visual. Obviously, right. I mean, and we're not we don't want to try not trying to say that there aren't no, any women who can think visually. Seriously, obviously, seriously, and the best yeah. female directors are the ones that think visually. Yeah, you know, like mm-hmm. Catherine Bigelow, yeah. for instance, Jane Campion. Um, I think Melina Matsukas, who made Queen and Slim, thinks visually. Like I love her movies. I think Ava DuVernay thinks visually. So I want to talk about the most shocking thing with the SAG nominations, which was the omission of Marriage Story from the cast in the motion picture. Like I I was just picked myself off the floor. I mean, that was the thing that I had locked in the the Irishman once upon a time and uh, Marriage Story. Those were locked in my opinion. Me too. I would never in a million years have guessed that one would be left off. And I, I can't figure out why. Because the cast is great because that's the chance to recognize people who would never get nominated like, um, oh, the girl from Airplane. <laughs> um, yeah, Haggerty? Julie Haggerty. Haggerty, uh, Julie Haggerty. Julie, yeah, and she's, Merritt she's Weaver. fantastic at it. Merritt Weaver and, and um, Alan Alda. Ray Liotta. Alan Alda, yep. 
um, you know, it's it's that's the chance to recognize, and it's it's a big on it's an ensemble piece. So I yeah. I don't know. I don't either because I if I would have bet one thing, and I was thinking about this when I was writing about it afterwards, I was like, you know, even if I had like thought about another movie, there's no way I would have dumped Marriage Story. I would have picked something else. I thought for sure it was going to be. So does that mean it's weaker heading into the race because he didn't get a Globe nomination? No Baumbach. Um, I think, yes, that means that it's weaker heading into the race. But I still think it'll get a Best Picture, Screenplay, for sure, Supporting Actress, it's a frontrunner. And that's it, right? Maybe Editing? Mm, I don't think Editing. Well, it has a female editor. Uh, um, Marriage Story does? Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. One of the few, so... (laughs) There are a couple of neat transitions in it, um, in, the, in the film. Though the cutting, I'm sorry. Now I'm starting to lose my, and I'm not even drunk. <laughs> <laughs> You're only drinking tea. Yeah, there's some really interesting juxt- juxtapositions that surprised yeah. me. That I'm, I can't, can't say that was exactly all together. All of them, all, happy with all of them, but they it never it never was boring some of the things that they would um, show in, in parallel to each other. Uh, for instance, like Sasha, you mentioned to me, or you, you kind of hinted to me that it what was coming before I even saw it, but when I saw it, I knew exactly what you meant. The scene in the kitchen where he, where he cuts his wrist and falls down on the kitchen floor, immediately followed by the scene of her at the party, just laughing it up and having a grand old time. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's just, those are two strange things to put side by side to each, with each other. I know. It, I mean, not, not necessarily strange, but just um, uh, surprising. Mm-hmm. An unfortunate juxtaposition, followed by him singing a song about he's lucky to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> An unfortunate yeah. juxtaposition. <laughs> I didn't even notice it the first time I saw it until I watched it back, and I was like, wait a second. He's making it out like he's in this, and then she's, yeah, you know, marriage story is the kind of thing, like, you can't overthink it. Right. If mm. you respond to it and you like it, great. But if you start thinking about it too much, then you're going to run into, you know, problems. Otherwise, I I don't think there's any mo- there's anything else that's too surprising in the uh, um, SAG nominations, except for that bizarre Joker stunt ensemble nomination, which I still can't figure out why. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what what a stunt ensemble. Irishman stunt ensemble is insane too. Like, yeah. why is that? Yeah. <laughs> All of that <laughs> egregious standing around. <laughs> yeah, like what are they doing? There's like no stunt work at all in that. There's that part where uh, that one guy punched Al Pacino in the meet in the meetup in uh, in Miami. <laughs> Barely though. <laughs> like, like, come on, like really, like there's so many other movies that could have used that nomination, but they went with Irishman. Um, I think. And as far as uh, before we leave the um, 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 SAG ensemble um, nominees. Even though Marriage Story didn't make it, the movie that did make it instead of Marriage Story that we would probably not have expected, or we might have expected to be number six or number seven or number eight, was Jojo Rabbit, and it did make it in. So that's good news, right? Yeah. So even though absolutely. we're not, yeah, a lot of people were disappointed that Marriage Story didn't make it in, but it's hard that hard to imagine that they would be mad that Jojo Rabbit did make it in. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, and it's a great way to recognize one of my personal favorite performances of the year as Taika Waititi is playing uh, Adolf. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I, I just love him in that. I loved everything that he did. I loved how he translated Hitler into the mind of a 12-year-old. I think that's incredibly <laughs> difficult to do. I think people are completely underestimating the amount of, of you know physical comedy as well as just you know traipsing that line without making it cartoonish. Mm. Um, I just love what he did there. I agree. And I think that the more you know about Hitler, the more you appreciate his performance. Um, he nails it. And he, what he nails about it is that Hitler did have like a couple of different channels and he would turn into like a, he would only be the Fuhrer sometimes. He wasn't always that guy, you know? And, and I think that the great thing about his performance is that he, he shows that. There was a moment mm-hmm. where he where he switches and he starts giving his Fuhrer like speeches, but there are other times where he doesn't, where he's just like a regular person, and it, and it really does show sort of the insidiousness of that fascist movement, and kind of you know similar to Donald Donald Trump is sort of like this idea that it's it's a comfort to be be around someone like that, and then all of a sudden they do something that really scares the shit out of you. The great thing well, about so Jojo Rabbit is that he shows that he is wrong. Like, you know, what Hitler's saying is disproved by his experience with this girl who, you know, who he falls in love with, who, you know, really kind of opens his eyes to, to reality. Um, it's just so beautiful. Like, it, it really could be written about 2019, only you substituted you for an immigrant, Mexican mm-hmm. immigrant. And it's someone who's been taught to think that they're only rapists and drug dealers and they're coming here to like have anger babies and take over America and end white people's reign, you know, uh, all those horrible things that sort of Trump has ushered in. And, and, um, and in a way, what were we talking about is that Hitler's charming side. We only know from the photographs that we've seen him lounging around at the mountaintop, you know, house that he had with uh, Olga, or is that her name? His, his girlfriend, was her name Olga? Oh, that's what Eva Braun. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, Eva, Eva Braun, Eva Braun, Eva Braun. yeah. So, yeah, uh, Adolf and Ava, um, you know, lounging around, they look, and, and with their dog and everything, he looks relaxed and charming. That's even, you can't even ever imagine that Trump and Melania look that comfortable together. No, Not ever. No, even no. even when they're trying to look com- that comfortable together, they don't. They look miserable together. Well, so so it's, it, it goes to what you were saying about the fact that how that kind of thing how the, um, how it can can seep into a person's personality. And it's like what who is that? Hannah Arendt said the banality of evil. Right. And uh, so that's that's what I get. That's one of the things I got from from Jojo. It's just in my first viewing. I can't wait to see it again. And because I, there's I lo- so much going on that I yeah, didn't catch it all the first time. I love how people say, like Scarlett Johansson says to him, "You're not, you know, you're not this person, Jojo." And and she also Elsa also says to him, "You're not this person, Jojo." And then you know he has that great little friend um, Archie Yates who plays Yorkie, his mm-hmm. friend. You know he's like, "I saw a Jew in the forest. It just seemed like a normal <laughs> person." That's <laughs> they wrong with that. It was the cutest character and. Um, yeah. It's not a well, great that, time that's to be a nice. That's the key to its uh, to its ensemble nomination, I think, is because there's so many good small little roles where um, people just pop off the screen. Um, but he's not nominated. No, no that's are a you shame. Sure he's not he's nominated. Not? Yeah. Aww. Yeah. No, he's left off. No, he's great. Too I bad. Know. I love him, but he's he's okay though. He's got a path to stardom. 
Oh yeah, he's just picked up uh, the Disney Plus reboot of Home Alone. <laughs> yeah, he's so yeah. great. <laughs> did he really? He does sort he of did. steal the show. Oh. And, and, but I also thought that uh, Sam Rockwell was great too, as the mm-hmm. like closeted Nazi. Um, what I loved about it was I love the freedom of the storytelling and I feel like that, that so many pil- filmmakers play it so safe right now. Like they really just kind of nailed down the tent, you know, but I liked how he, he opened it up and he was so free and funny with his, his, uh, you know, every scene with Rebel Wilson or, um, Scarlett Johansson or uh, Sam Rockwell or even Stephen Merchant, you know, in that that really weird tense scene because mm-hmm. you're never, mm-hmm. you know, you never lose sight of what is at stake uh, in that movie. You know, they're making fun of it and it's funny and everything, but you know that underneath it is is horror. He doesn't make light of it, and and people are wrong when they say that he does because he doesn't. Um, that's why the movie goes the way that it goes. It can't be as good as it is unless you know what's at stake, and everybody knows what was at stake in World War II. You know? Yeah, they, they do, and it's good to show that from a child's point of view, a childish mind is not going to realize that, but it also showed when the scenes of the of the Jewish people were hanging in the, in the town square... Plenty of German people were just walking around and not not paying any attention to that whatsoever yeah. in the town square. And so even though it was a child who fell for it, and you can forgive a child, you also have to wonder what was wrong with other grown-ups that were also idolized Hitler, too. And, and that's yeah. why it's a commentary on what goes on with Trump now, Absolutely. because you can't write it off. There's, there's 60, 60 million people in America who think, you know, Trump hung the moon. You see this recent interview with a woman who was breaking down and crying. Why are they doing this to my Trump? He's done such a great oh, job. God. You know, it's like, and what is wrong with people like that? And then because they're not children anymore, they ought to know better. Uh, Jojo didn't know any better until he did, until he learned. But it, it's a, it makes you question <laughs> if he if he was able to to learn how he was wrong. How come the, so many other German people didn't? How come they didn't? Yeah. How come they went yeah. along with it? Yeah. You know, what, what yeah. lies did they tell themselves about what was going on? Right. And I mean, that, that, that scene really struck me with the, with the people hanging in the town square. Scarlett Johansson, his mother made sure that he looked at it and, and didn't look away from it. But meanwhile, in the background, there's just people going on about their lives, going shopping and talking and not even, 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 even paying any attention to the bodies hanging in the town square. Yeah. Because, you know, it's just bizarre. It's just chilling. Really, it's chilling, and I loved how he, you know, how he showed that that his mother was, you know, symbolic of love to him. And when mm-hmm. she died, you know, he he understood it. He understood it as an important thing that that he lost, mm-hmm. you know. And the fact that he then knows that he has this responsibility with this other person that he also loves. Um, I just I loved watching this character go through that struggle. You know, this little boy. Like, I loved watching every scene that he had where he had to make a choice and the choices that he made. I love the scene where he's he's reading her the letters that are supposed to be from her boyfriend. Um, and he, he kind of alters them to sort of make her happier. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was so sweet. And then she finally tells him the truth. Like, he's just the greatest character. I mean, he's trying, you know. He's just lost. And I feel like a lot of people that are, you know, lost in America now feel are the same way. You know, like they're just 
lost. They've been told who the enemy is, and they believe it, hook, line, and sinker, right? But, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, you know, we're all human beings, and we're all in this, this together, and we all have to sort of love each other and, and take care of each other, and that's just really it. That's always it. In every war that we have as, as a species, in every empire change, in every empire collapse, in every new world built, it always mm. comes down to that, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you wrote, a, uh, I encourage everyone who's listening who hasn't read what Sasha wrote about uh, Jojo Rabbit yesterday and was posted on the site today. Please go read it. I uh, had to give it a look last night just uh, and I I did I hadn't I knew I was going to watch the movie today and I didn't want I'd already had heard so much about it I didn't want to really hear any more so it was hard to proofread your piece for typos <laughs> oh, which shit. there weren't any they were like only like three things that were any kind of you know, commas out of place or whatever but it's hard it's like I was reading with one eye closed just reading but not really trying to understand the words just looking to see if anything was misspelled but but I did go back and read it after I saw the movie, and it's that's a really great piece. Oh, I, you really you. captured Thank it. You, I, I really love it, and I'm I, I hate that movies get put into this frame of awards. You know, I mm. feel like it's such a this year especially when there's so many great movies that are missing. You know, movies like Queen and Slim or 1917, which I know will get a Best Picture nomination, but. You know, people are expecting it to come along and win, and so they're judging it in a different way than they should be. You know, and it's such a great piece of cinema. It's so good. But because it's not like ticking off all the boxes for people to win Best Picture, they're somehow diminishing it, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's something really diseased about that to me. You know? Yeah, just the priorities are um, mixed up. I mean, uh, I. I I understand that people, you know, I enjoy the Oscars, too, and we enjoy the uh, everything about it. For the, this is the most exciting four or five months of the year for me, and a lot of people that we don't get to see all year long come back to the side, and they enjoy the, the process and the pageant and everything, too. But I'm glad that so many of our readers do understand that there's a whole world of cinema out there beyond the Oscars. Oh, yeah. And they, yeah, and that's what I really appreciate about the readers on our side is they – even though we write and post about things, or Sasha, you do, about Oscar um, contenders, in the comments, people aren't restricted by that. They talk about whatever they want. And that's why, I mean, I probably would not, I don't know when I would have found out about Portrait of a Lady on Fire, if not from our readers, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. We really do have the best commenters, I think. Uh, we sure do, we're, yeah. We're really lucky in that <laughs> I know. I mean, I'm just so. I mean, I'm so always so impressed. Every single day, there's people who take the time to write these really elaborate, uh, elaborate, well thought out essays. They're not just back and forth comments and just like one line, smart aleck remarks or whatever. The people really put a lot of thought into mm-hmm. breaking down a movie and what they like about it. And and uh, they're nice. It's yes, just a, and, and to the listeners who write me letters, thank you. I love your letters. I really do. I read them. I forward them. I don't always respond to them, but but they are so appreciated. And I, I feel really blessed to have had such a great group of readers for 20 years. You know, I'm walking away from this site. I don't know when, but just so you know, thank you for, for that for all these years. It's been really, really great to get to know so many really great thinkers out there this year and every year, honestly. 
I know we have so many readers who have been around like from the very beginning. And some of them, and that means that some of them have been following your site, Sasha, since they were teenagers or or just 13 or 14 years old. So they've grown up with your site and other readers found the site when they were older. And so they've grown old, they've grown older with you. And would this be a good time to look at um, any questions that anybody on Twitter has asked? Yeah, let's see what we have. You guys, you got any? Yeah, Uh, I've got one. Um, there was one ask. Oh, you would ask right when I just shut my app down. Sorry. There was one ask Sorry. about the uh, performance that could sneak through that hasn't been recognized by critics, SAG, BAFTA nominations yet, or Globe. Uh, it was asked by Trip Burton, mm-hmm. um, and I think we also talked about expanding this to a picture that could potentially get into the best picture race that had not been nominated before. But it, my probably. I have a couple of candidates for this one. I think my number one could be um, uh, Song Kang-ho from uh, Parasite. Mm-hmm. Yep, he seems sure. to be the one, if you're going to like that movie, and if there's any shot of a performance from that movie getting nominated, it would be his. And I and think uh, he hasn't gotten nominated yet, except for SAG. But, uh, Do you think he gets ensemble. him for supporting? No. Or lead? Oh, he's supporting. He would yeah, be. I think he could yeah. get in for supporting for sure, not for lead. But yeah, no. supporting. Support. Yeah. Who do you guys think? I think that everybody in Parasite is exceptional. Every performance. So yes, I would love to see that. Are we talking about actor, best actor? Uh, supporting. Any performance. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, hmm. um, Someone else mentioned Alfre Woodard for clemency. Right. Yeah, I think it's a good it's a good uh, possibility. I think the problem with clemency, to be perfectly honest, is that it's just too slow. Um, a lot of my, my actual general prob- problems with women directors this year is that they do these really long takes, and I think that they need to not do them because you have this thing called a dropout moment. And if you lose your audience, then you've really lost the... And I feel like I've seen that with a lot of movies, and um, clemency is one of them. But um, but Alfred Woodard's... In- Alfre Woodard is incredible, and she had, you know, is is really overdue for an Oscar. And if it wasn't such a competitive year, she'd have a really good shot. Mm-hmm. Where did uh, Mary Kay place win her award over this past week? Uh, who who was it that gave her gave LA, her best actress for Los Angeles? LA. Yeah. For, Okay. Yeah. I mean, I had never, I had not heard of that movie before, Diane. So uh, do you think an award like that can, can, can encourage people to watch the screener and that they can push her into the, into the top five or is it too crowded this year already? Um, I think it's too crowded. And I also think Mm. that the best actress race in general is a tough sell for older actresses. It can Mm. happen, but, but, it's more likely that it goes to younger, hotter women, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I wish it wasn't the case, but it is indeed the case. There is a really good opportunity this year for the Best Actress um, nominees to be a really diverse group, more than usual. I mean, it, we, could, it, we, could, we could end up with maybe just only two nominees who, who are white women, conceivably. Mm-hmm. So it's if, going to if, be if Lupita, be... if Lupita, or yeah. uh, um, Cynthia Erivo, yeah. and or or Alfred Woodard, or um, who else? Oh, Aquafina. Aquafina, yeah. So yeah. it's probably going to be, could be that, but 
Mm. Again, my my problem with the farewell was the same problem I had with clemency. I liked it, but I thought that she just, you know, she did too many of those long takes. And I feel like once you do that, you know, you kind of lose your viewer as a dropout mm. moment, as William Goldman, as William Goldman would call it. And I feel like that is something that I feel like these directors need to understand. Don't do so many long takes. Do a couple and make mm -hmm. them mean something. But don't do like three and four and five in one movie. Then, then it just is, becomes repetitive. And it, um, it, it, you know, the thing about art and filmmaking is the problem for women is that they're not given a second chance. They're not given a chance to fail and then come back like men are like look at jason reitman man like that guy how many ch how many second chances has that guy gotten mm. no offense but like you know he he keep he can make a bomb and the next year he'll be directing ghostbusters you know what i mean so it's like but women don't have that opportunity so for them it's sort of like they have this one chance and if they don't succeed then they're gone and so the stakes are higher but if you could take lulu wang or you could take greta gerwig or you could take uh, Melina Matsuka. So you could take any of these directors and you could say, you know what? That's a really great first try. That's awesome. Let's see what else you can do. See what they mm -hmm. come back with. See what movie they come back with. Then they try and they fail and they try and they fail. And sooner or later, they're going to hone their craft and they're going to come back as good as somebody like Bong Joon-ho or Martin Scorsese or Quentin Tarantino or Sam Mendes or these guys that make these incredibly masterful films. They don't get there out of the box. They get there because they've made movies, they failed, they su they've succeeded, they failed, they su they've succeeded, and then they've got to this point. And that's what women have to do as well. You know? They have to be able to, mm -hmm. to be allowed to fail. And sometimes it's not even in t it, 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 um, I you can you can put it in terms of failure, but you can also um, put it in terms of experimenting with something and finding what doesn't necessarily work and and not doing that again or doing yeah, it in a different sure. way and refining what you want to do in a new way and make it your own. And it's a, like a learning curve. Absolutely. And, and, but why and I mean, so it is a it is a failure in a way, but it's also a lesson. Right, and if you've well, ever done yeah. any kind of art, if you've ever painted or written or anything, you know that it's mm -hmm. writing is rewriting. Yeah. Painting is tearing it down and building something new, and it's a process. You know, and you can't expect that the first time out of the gate or the second time out of the gate you're going to have a masterpiece. And mm -hmm. for people to treat you like you do is insulting, frankly, to both the craft and to you. You should be given a chance to come in, show me what you got. Great, that's a really great try. Let's... Go back and try something better than that, you know? and give them the chance to do so. Not mm -hmm. just not just say, okay, well, you we gave you a chance once, yeah. and it didn't you didn't uh, you exactly. didn't blow us away. So um, sorry, right? You probably not, it's going to be hard for you to get another chance because exactly. it's not like that with guys. No, and give guys Greta can, Gerwig yeah. a chance to direct a mob movie. Give her a chance to direct yeah. a spy thriller. Give her a chance mm -hmm. to do all these things that'll that'll teach her how to be a better filmmaker. You know, mm -hmm. and then someday she'll come back with her masterpiece. But Little Women is not Greta Gerwig's masterpiece. It's a good try. It's a mm -hmm. good film. It's fine, but it's not one of the best of the year, and it should not be rewarded as such, in my opinion. Humble. Right. Opinion. As far as act, best actor uh, actor contenders that could uh, slip in that we're not considering, it's a, it's surprising, I think, to me and. Um, 
to a lot of people that um, Pesci and Pacino are getting nominations, but De Niro is over time and time again he's getting overlooked, mm-hmm. and it's because we talked about this just a really excellent um, top five or six best actors this year. But could he make a comeback in the in the eleventh hour? And the Oscars may feel differently about him no. than the critics do. You don't think so? No. Yeah, that's a que- that's another question that we got. Um, can or he asked, and and I know why you say that, Sasha. And our and the uh, the reader who asked the question sort of answers his own question because he says that voters have been turned off by De Niro's um, de aging effect, and that's what you think too that yes, it really but damaged does anybody his. Agree the, with me or disagree? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I'm just saying. Sorry. Does, does anybody else agree or disagree? Because I'm I'm talking too much. So if, if someone. Oh else no. Well, um, I've said. I think I think it's a long I think it's a, a long stretch for to make a 77 year old man look 27 and they did and 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 Pacino and Pesci didn't have to stretch that far, they never they they were never made to look that young mm. and so I think it, I think the the de aging was easier on them and was not as jarring. Also, the fact that we know what De Niro looked like when he was in his right. 20s, he was lean and sexy. Uh-huh. He wasn't just. Um, a, a stocky guy with a smooth skin with no wrinkles. He, he was, he was, he was lean and sinewy and sexy. And they, you, that's not what they did with De Niro by de-aging him. All they did was take the lines out of his face. Right. We've seen him in taxi yeah. driver. We've seen him in mean street. Yeah. So we know right. what young De Niro so, looks like. Right. Right. And so that's why I think it's especially jarring with him and maybe wasn't as convincing as some of the earlier scenes. But, um, well, that's certainly not not helping him, but he also seems to be one of these actors that gets taken for granted somehow. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been what a decade since he's been nominated. Um, you know, it, right. it just, yeah. you, know, it, you know, it's it's almost like um, his performance in Goodfellas. Like he didn't get nominated for that, even though he was one of the the centerpieces of it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just it's it's strange. It's like he can't out. He can't live up to that one-two punch of Godfather Part 2 and right. um, Raging Bull. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you top Raging Bull? But You, you know, don't. He, he's but, great mm-hmm. as Rupert Popkin, I thought, in King of Comedy. Um, I have to admit... I thought, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I, was just, I thought he was great in uh, Cape Fear. And in Cape Fear, he's incredible. That, that mm-hmm. movie is underrated. Oh, humongously. I, I would love to, t- to talk to you about that movie. I no, love that so movie good. so much. It's so good. It's so good. Um, but uh, I also think that, that I I did have a pro- I have to admit, I've seen Irishman six times. I love it. But I didn't like that de-aging on him at all. Mm-hmm. I thought it was weird. It was polar expressy. Like, it didn't work for me. His neck, he didn't have a neck. In a lot of scenes, and it was there was something about around even even not just around his eyes, but within his eyes. Uh, exactly. And didn't you say his that eyes. because what they made his that? eyes blue, that this was too. It, yeah. it wasn't. It they didn't have. A, they didn't have life. His eyes sometimes didn't seem like they didn't have life in them. Right, and there's no way actors are going to go for that. Yeah, right. Um, uh, I mean, it's just. Uh, it's not only not only the movies that you mentioned, Cape Fear and A King of Comedy, but all of the movies from his, from the eighties and nineties. Uh, there's Heat and uh, uh, what Heat. Deer, Deer Hunter, yes. and it, uh, Hunter. so that was Midnight his Run. heyday. And and The Untouchables, mm-hmm. yeah, Midnight Run even, and so that was his heyday. And then I do think that he he took a lot of roles and did a lot of movies that were maybe um, below his t- talent, you know. 
for whatever, just to keep working, he did a lot of movies that were subpar, let's say. They weren't up to the standards of what he had done early in his career. So it's great to see him do this kind of comeback. But I, yeah. I, anyway, the question was, do you think that um, what is, what's hurt him? Why isn't he being nominated? And I think we can agree that the de-aging didn't do him any favors. Yeah, right. so, um, I would agree with that. Um, Clarence, do you agree with that? I do. I, I do. I mean, I think, and, and not only the de-aging, but the fact that, you know, the physicality of him in the, in the, I think, uh, in the younger sequences, I think Megan actually mentioned this on our podcast where yes, they changed his face, but he still moved like an old man. He right. still moved like a 70 year old Roger, Robert De Niro. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you and you can it see wasn't, when he's it walking, wasn't when he's walking down the street, you know, and see where he beats up the, the guy who's pushed his daughter, you know, you can see mm-hmm. that in his, his, his physicality he still looks like an old man. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure that it was an entirely a successful experiment. I like that Scorsese wanted to do it and he tried and he had the money and he, he went for it and he did about as best as you could possibly do. But I think the answer that comes out of this is we still need actors. <laughs> right. Yeah, we still need actors. And this technology has a long way to go. This yeah. is um, this. Is, it, I think it, it could eventually down the road become something that we can learn to live with and accept just as we have with a lot of other technologies that didn't didn't really work the first time they were tried out but um you've got to try this kind of stuff and you've got to um have the tech technicians and the and the artists who who try to figure out what went wrong and how to make it better next time and And, uh, i'm glad I'm, i'm excited for him that he was he was energized to try yeah but i also think that um i think that you lose something when you replace computer graphics with with a human uh, reaction because I think then you're into animation, which is Mm -hmm. fine. Animation is great and it's exploding in all sorts of different directions but I think that if you're going to make a movie with actors, make a movie with actors, you know. Keep them them real. Keep them in front of you. Um, I think that that Irishman would not have lost anything if, if the young De Niro had been played by a different actor. Right. You know, nothing. It would have lost nothing to me because all that is is exposition anyway. You know, what he did when he was younger. Like, that's not the movie. The movie is he's going to kill Jimmy Hoffa, you know, who's his friend. And his daughter, you know, thinks he's like a fucking killer. Like that and and Jimmy Hoffa's relationship with his daughter. Like, all that is the core of the movie. Mm-hmm. And it, it all takes place when they're older and that's fine. But the younger stuff, it could be done with a the young actor yeah our good friend noel on twitter um he's he, so nice he's, we love noel no it's great i love him he's yeah. fantastic um he's he's wondering if this if the snag snag if the sag snubs <laughs> snag subs the sag snubs for banderas and uh, de niro have really killed the chance at an oscar nomination that's one part of his question and then he goes on to say what he really cares about what he's most interested in. He wonders if J-Lo has any chance or if Al Pacino can, can, can win for the Irishman. Um, I personally think that Antonio Banderas could get nominated still. Mm-hmm. I think I, I would worry about Christian Bale spot for that. Um, I just think that the movie is so beautiful and so affecting that I think that he could really break in and my God, he deserves it, you know? I loved mm-hmm. that performance so much, and I loved that movie. But 
I liked Christian Bale too, and I love Ford v Ferrari. So I feel like it's such a packed best actor race. But yes, I do sort of have an instinct that that he could get in. And I, it's not just that uh, Noel mentioned Banderas and De Niro. He also mentioned Eddie Murphy too. So that's three that yeah. he's curious about. If those three that that are that are looking like they are on the fringe, if 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 any of the three or all three can break in, wouldn't it be great if they could? I think, Murphy uh, especially. Yeah, but I think uh, SAG shot uh, Dolomite in the knee. Mm. <laughs> like, it should have showed up there. I think it, it said really that's the end of Dolomite was SAG. Unfortunately, yeah. I've been pushing for it hard, but that was a killer. Especially for ensemble, right? Because for that ensemble yeah, was just so, they worked so well together and they were so, it's just like clockwork. I thought they so They matched too. so well together. But the problem with Dolomite for a lot of people is that it's too crude. And it's not as crude mm. as the, the actual Dolomite movie. Right. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's, uh, but it's, I think that that's, that puts people off. But I also think that um, I also think that the thing about Dolomite is that it's directed by and written by white men. And I think that people feel, don't feel that same virtue signaling um, high mm-hmm. if it's white filmmakers if it's black filmmakers then they do and they tend to push harder but i feel like they feel like it's a, if it's white filmmakers then, then it's expendable yeah that's sort of my own theory on why it's not doing better and if it's black filmmakers then yeah they'll want to celebrate that but they won't feel as as compelled to do that i do think that eddie murphy still has a shot at best actor I, I personally think that, that you still have the problem of the international film category for Parasite. And I think that, as good mm-hmm. as it is, I don't know that voters... I personally don't think that voters are going to go international film and best picture. Because the Academy put that category in just for that reason. Mm-hmm. To give a movie that's a foreign language movie the big prize. That's why it exists. Right. Yeah, I... A question nobody asked, but it just occurred to me because I realized that I'm kind of I'm a little I'm finding myself a little bit in, in um, gloomy because we've talked about Dolomite in pretty pessimistic terms tonight, and so I think we find I guess we kind of have to maybe give up after this week that Dolomite didn't strike, um, didn't push, didn't tick off the boxes that it needed to tick off this week and that it may not make it as much as we really, really, really wanted it to sincerely because we sincerely like the movie so much. That makes me sad. So a question that I will ask is what makes you most sad about what has happened in this past week? Hmm. I'm sad about Dolomite uh, seeming to falter and probably not going to make it into the big show. Nothing in the film world make me sad. I can tell you that. It's, <laughs> okay. it's, it's more in the real world that's making me <laughs> right. sad. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's a lot more to be worried about and sad about in the real world. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I would say Dolomite, and that was really, really disappointing to see it shut out of the SAG. I actually genuinely think it's a really good movie. When people say, like, it's not Oscar-worthy, or someone will say, voters just don't think it's Oscar-worthy. I always think, you know what, Oscar-worthy only means it's one of the best of the year. It doesn't matter where it comes from. If it is one of the best films of the year, then it's Oscar worthy. That's all that should mean. I know what they mean by that. It's a comedy. Um, and they don't usually like comedies. They like quote unquote important movies, but it actually is an important movie because it, it tells the story of a, something you never see, which is an entrepreneurial black artist who, who just simply did not ex- accept his lot in life and decided to, 
come what may, do whatever the hell he wanted that, you know, was his heart's desire, which is make movies, make records, become famous, make something of himself. He was driven. And you see that mm-hmm. a lot with white heroes and white people. You just don't see it a lot with, with black heroes in, in film. And you and you just never see a story like this about a black filmmaker because there just have not been any, not very many that have the story like this and that uh, this, with this kind of uh, excitement behind it. I think it could possibly be because even though it's a movie about making movies, it's not about making movies. Not even though Dolomite is my name is a great movie. Dolomite itself is not a great movie. The 1970s Dolomite is not. And so a lot of people may, and the Oscar voters may say, well, yeah, he, he was determined to make movies, but look what he came up with. Yeah, exactly, maybe. And, and so but it is extraordinary and amazing that he was able to tap in to something that Hollywood had not figured out how to do yet, how to attract black urban audiences or urban audiences into theaters and make a movie for $70,000 and make millions and millions and millions of dollars off of it. Mm-hmm. And so he figured that out. And that, and then they then Hollywood said, yeah, okay, we, we, now we can try to do this too. And that's how black exploitation was born, of course. Right. So, and I, I just yeah. enjoyed the movie so much. And I yeah. always have a much better Oscar year if the movies that are in the race are movies that I really like and enjoy. And that always gives me a thrill. So. It's natural mm-hmm. that I would feel that way. But, yeah, I'm sure that there are a lot of people who are really happy that it didn't get in just despite me, you know, pushing so hard for it. But um, I I think that it, it's still I, – I really do think it still has a chance of something at the Oscars. I don't think it will be totally shut out like it was at the Right, staff. costume design. We're looking for costume something, design. You know, and maybe. Who knows? Yeah. After midnight for you now. Shit. Clarence, isn't it? Yeah. It is. All right. But well. I, I did want to say one more thing. Um, actually, what did make me sad last week was not an omission on the film side, which I'm kind of emotionally separated from a little bit, but is more of an omission on the television side for SAG because they didn't nominate anybody or or the cast of Succession. Which oh, I, I know. Sad. How can that be, right? I really don't know. I mean, um, I, they went... With Game of Thrones. Um, oh, yeah. wow. Can I, I mean, you know, Succession is my favorite series of the year. I know it's yours, Sasha. And Clarence, is it your favorite of the year or pretty I much? Mean, I haven't. <laughs> I'm still catching up to season two, but uh, mm-hmm. it's uh, I love what I see so far. I mean, it's just, you know, that cast is firing on all cylinders. They yeah. are tremendous. And the writing is fantastic. The direction is fantastic. I, I don't know. I mean, Stranger Things, the third mm-hmm. season. Right. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, season two of Succession, um, exce- I mean, surpasses season one, I think. Yeah. So you have a lot to look You have so much to look forward well, to. Well, no, as wait. someone who was a former actor, I can tell you this, guys. Actors aren't the brightest bulbs. <laughs> I mean, that's mean to say, but I, I say it with love. But it's true. <laughs> it, you know, smart is not the actor way. <laughs> it never has been. Enough. That's why it's hard to parse Academy predictions. You have to think like an actor. And they're not intellectuals. Critics are intellectuals. So that's why the Academy, you can't really follow. You, you, gotta, you can sort of a little bit, but you have to filter it through the actors. <laughs> so, yeah. so I'm not 100% surprised that they left off uh, Succession, even though, because, because that's really who they are. You know? uh, I think yeah, I think maybe that's it, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's it's got a complexity 
And, and that's one of the things we love about it, the complexity, but it's got a complexity that maybe is, uh, it takes a lot of, it takes more concentration than some people are, are used to do doing yeah, exactly. when they just casually watch screeners. Very, very, and you have to really study it. I've seen it so yeah. many times. So yeah. like, I know what good performances these are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you got to like you got to st- like uh, Emma told you have to stare at it. You, you have to stare, stare at, at it, yeah. mommy. Yeah, but it's also really hard. Like Succession, like it took me a really long time for people to convince me to even watch it, and mm. I feel like it still has that kind of residual thing of like people once they watch it they'll love it, but if they don't watch it then they're never gonna pick it. And I think that a mm-hmm. lot of people are resistant to watching it. Just like, by the way, a little intel here for you Oscar watchers, people are similarly resistant to The Irishman. They don't want to watch it. So beware of that because that matters. I can't even get my friend Michael to watch it, and it's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So yeah, when he, when he, if he if he wanted to, he could just watch like an hour a day if he wanted to. But um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, I think like, a lot of people maybe are doing that. A lot, not very. I don't know how many people are sitting down and doing a three and a half hour marathon. Although yeah. that's the best way to to see it, but it. You can watch it any way you want to watch it, but it, I guess probably maybe it will the effect will be diminished if you break it up and you don't yeah, if you, if you so, allow I, yourself to be taken out of the movie and then put yourself back into it. Right. I don't know. And I also yeah. think that like people telling me to watch Succession and I didn't for so long, I have to remember that mindset. You know, like people mm-hmm. who, you know, you just avoid it. You don't want to immerse yourself in it, but once you do, you're like, wow, that's the greatest show I've ever seen. But takes a while to get to that point. So that's that's the only reason why I wasn't all that surprised because I thought people don't really want to watch this show for whatever reason. But once they start watching it, then it's going to start winning everything. Mm. And now then the new mo- uh, series that we're horny for is um, uh, The Morning Show. We love The Morning Show. That's going to do oh really well. Oh, my gosh. I love it so much. She's so, so good. good. <laughs> yeah, you're going to, Clarence, you're going to love it yeah. too. I know you will. They're both really good, both those women. They're, it's incredible. It's like the bombshell of TV shows. I know. Yeah, but I have a feeling that it's that Jennifer. If 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 uh, if somebody's going to win from that, it's going to be Jennifer Aniston because it has built. Then there's been a narrative around her sort of successful return to television. Mm-hmm. That could be, but Reese Witherspoon kind of deserves it. But they're both really good. They're both really good. She Reese sort of steals the show, I think, a little bit. I mean, but, in the cases where they're nominated together, I think they're going to split the vote and Olivia Coleman's going to win for The Crown. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah yep. right. Is that good, The Crown? I haven't watched it. I love it. But I I mean, I'm an Anglophile and I love soap operas. So <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. kind of like uh, this season, I think, is really great. I don't know if you've watched um, previous seasons, but uh, Helena Bonham Carter steals absolutely every scene that she's in as playing uh, Princess Margaret. Oh my God! So, I'm which sure. is the best crown season? What is the best? Yeah. Um, well, if you, if you like John Lithgow, um, you know he's in season one. He plays Churchill, um, but I think it's it's a little drier. Season two starts off very slow with the first three episodes, um, but it really picks up steam in the last seven. Um, but I think probably season three is its is its most consistently great across the board. It's wow. it's one of my favorite television shows. Do you have to watch the first two to watch the third one? No, I don't think so. Even because they start, they kind of start all over with the new cast. I mean, they take, you know, because what they do is every two years they're going to swap out the cast, and um, and I think in 
season four, she'll continue. But then in season five, the rumor is, is that, um, uh, uh, God, I can't remember her name. I can see her face, but, uh, she played, um, she was in Harry Potter, <laughs> like every other British actress. So that didn't help. Um, Imelda, Imelda Staunton. Yeah. You. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Imelda um, Staunton would play Queen Elizabeth. Wow. Yeah. No, I, I see that. You can pick it up. I mean, there are, you know, there are certainly um, standout episodes. Um, the last episode is a particular showcase for Helena Bonham Carter in episode three, which is a uh, takes place in uh, as a mining disaster in England. That uh, sort of a precursor to Queen Elizabeth sort of ignoring the public reaction around Princess Diana's death. She kind of did the same thing reportedly there on that uh, mining disaster that, that where like 150 children died. Mm. I've only seen season one, but Sasha, I would recommend that maybe you watch like the first couple of episodes of season one. So at least you can see like the genesis where everything all began. And then if you want to skip the rest of season one and move on, you can if it's not holding your attention and move on to one of the seasons that Clarence says is better. But I really liked all of season one and I liked I I, I like seeing where it all started. Yeah. And and she's so good. And and talk about an elaborate production design. And oh, it's, uh, it's just extravagant in every way. So uh, just mind-blowing. If you want to see a luscious and um, hypnotic episode of television, you watch episode four of season two. It's focused on print younger Princess Margaret, and uh, it's called Beryl. Yeah. Uh, about her early relationship. It is just the... The visual look and feel of it is just this gorgeous amber, and she sort of Vanessa Kirby kind of slinks through the episode. It, it's oh wow, I'm one gonna, of the best hours of television I have ever watched. Wow, wow. fantastic! High I'm going to watch that tonight, right after we sign off, right after we say good night. Yeah, that is high praise. I watch. I know, too. seriously. Um, all right, my friends, I think we've come to the end. It's been okay. a lovely time talking with you. You too. Yeah, I had a good time. (laughs) So um, next week, right? Yes. (laughs) What's happening next week? Anything? I'm seeing Star Wars. I know that. Okay. There's that. Who cares, right? But (laughs) no, it's good. Yeah, we want to hear your report, and I'll catch up on more movies, and so I'll have more to talk about. Well, let's see. By next Friday night, I will have seen Little Women, Star Wars, Cats, and Bombshell. Well, there wow. you go. That's a whole whole enchilada there. Yeah, I'm going to go see. Uh, um, um, so one of my best friends is coming from out of town, and we're going to see um, to the Alamo here in in Raleigh um, very early in the morning. An eight o'clock showing of Bombshell, followed by an eleven o'clock showing of Cats. Oh, how fun! <laughs> wow, can't wait. I'm taking the day off of work. I can't wait. <laughs> oh, that sounds great. What a good time. I love it. So, um, I will all right. Back if Friday night. So it's almost to the end here. We're we're rolling it down, and in early January, the hammer really starts to come down with all the nominations and all the shows and everything. And then by January seventh, Oscar ballots are turned in. Boom, done. And there's nothing more it's to a, do until final. I know fifty eight more days until Oscar night. That's I know. eight Jesus. eight weeks and two days, and that's not. It's going to seem a lot shorter than that. It's going to just start whizzing by. That seems like a really long time. It does seem like a long time, but it's like it's, it's like a three week, I and mean, it's like four weeks oh. shorter than what it was last year. It's yeah. three weeks to the Golden Globes, which yeah. means I have, well, I have three weeks to get my tux. You guys, is right. all your exercise for now is to think about really think about what you think is going to win Best Picture, and then next time we talk, we'll talk about 
how wide open the best picture race is and what we actually think is, you know, could win based on what we know. Because okay. I, I think it's up Sounds in the good. air right now. Sounds good. All right. Thank okay. You. Have a good night, everybody. Nice talking with you. Thank you. You too. All right. Thank you. Good care. night. All right.